The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Hello, my friends, you beautiful people of the internet, and welcome back to another episode of the Rotoro Football Podcast, the most important podcast in the universe, some are calling it. My name is Josh Norris. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for joining me on Sunday's episode of Rotoro Live, which is on YouTube, streaming New Eastern each and every Sunday as we go through and preview games, as well as answer your biggest start and sit questions. So tune in next week on Rotoro's YouTube page. Also, if you enjoy this podcast at any moment hit that subscribe button i'm talking to you thomas and theodore and travis and tristan yes all of you yes subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed it if you already subscribed leave a rating or review it helps us out now it is time for ray someone he joins me each and every tuesday ray also writes the waiver column up on rotorworld.com to help you fix your fantasy team ray my question to you is this Who came closer to accomplishing their ultimate goal? Hugh Jackson or Mr. Satan? (laughs) Mr. Satan, I think, right? Could could we say what he did was was closer to winning a Super Bowl than three wins in three years? I guess, right? Like he kind of fell into some small victories, correct? That weren't his doing. Meanwhile, I don't think Hugh Jackson made a positive decision in over two years it it's it's been a while and he ended up and he ended up with gohan as his as his son-in-law right that's true so that's a that's a win ray i I bring up that question because and briefly because there's not like too much to talk about it necessarily as the train goes by r.i.p hugh what what do we make of this brown situation i mean to me the 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 biggest issue is that it's happening now and it didn't happen before the season when it's clear John Dorsey and Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley was just a marriage that was never going to happen. What what we know from observing this Brown situation is that the owner and Jimmy Haslam is the issue and has been the issue for years. Yeah, I mean, the the idea that they kept Hugh Jackson after last year. And I know that the the front office spent the entire offseason lying about the amount of talent that was on that roster. But in reality, what happened is that the Browns greatly underachieved Hugh Jackson's first two years, winning only one game total. And then they decided, all right, let's bring him back for a third try 
with a admittedly better roster. But I mean, what did you expect to have happen? He was going to underachieve again. And that's that's exactly what happened. Obviously, then that led to him being fired. But if you don't have better people making decisions at, up at the top, I don't know what it changes. I suppose in the immediate, we could hope that the shakeups on offense lead to lead to more for Baker Mayfield, more for Nick Chubb, more for you know Duke Johnson, force him out for Duke Johnson. So we'll have to we'll kind of have to see what happens there. But you look at this offensive coordinator hire, and there's not there's not really much to take away from that either. We don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe he's kind of from the Bruce Arians tree. So maybe we see that, but that doesn't, that type of offense isn't really what you're hoping for, for Baker Mayfield. So it's, it's a, it's really a tough situation to kind of get a hold on. And what it gives you is just a lost season in Baker Mayfield's rookie year, right? That's just what it comes down to, which is a quarterback who was already older than his contemporaries, the other quarterbacks available in the draft. Uh, just not good situation all around. Um, okay, Ray, let's get into the waiver column because that's what the people are here for. Um, I guess you wanted to start with Josh Adams, who of the Eagles trio arguably looked the best as a runner, right? But like Ray, why should we invest in another Eagles running back when three of them are going to get touches? I don't know if three of them are going to get touches. Corey, Corey Clement out the he- door. He disappeared like after yeah. after Josh Adams showed up, especially in the second half and really, really put a spark in that running game. Corey Clement, you know, straight up disappeared out of out of that offense. He finished that game with, I believe, four touches and, and most of those all but one of those came in the first half. And, and maybe, you know, maybe he comes back, but he just hasn't been doing anything on the ground Wendell Smallwood stuck around in the passing game. And then after Josh Adams almost lost a fumble late in the game, I mean, he he was ruled down on review, but he did still fumble the ball. He just happened to be down before that. You know, then Wendell Smallwood came in and had a nice run to kind of ice the game. But I look at this backfield, and it seems to me that the best iteration of this backfield, at least from what we've seen the last couple of weeks, is Josh Adams at an early down roll, and Wendell Smallwood kind of in, in the passing down role, at least until Darren Sproles comes back, if Darren Sproles comes back. We don't know how that works out. Now, they're on bye this week, so we're not going to be able to see it for a while, and that means that Adams is at best a stash. But, I mean, if you're looking at this offense with the way that Carson Wentz has been playing with the team, that's it kind of looks like it's it's bouncing back. It kind of looks like it's on the rise. We saw what they were able to do last year whenever they were leading. We saw what the running game was able to do. I'm interested in... And taking a shot on Adams and, and just kind of seeing what happened. Yeah, I mean, the biggest difference in this 2018 version of the Eagles versus 2017 is their lack of a consistent rushing attack, right? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm guessing you're advocating, if you have Corey Clement on your roster, to drop him in favor of Josh Adams. Yeah, I think that I think that Corey Clement is, is squarely on the drop list, especially since they are on bye this week. That's not fun. Uh, let's go to Elijah McGuire, who is returning from injury. Um, a off-season slash preseason injury. Uh, I'm a big fan of Elijah McGuire's game, and now without Bilal Powell in the fold, with Triton Cannon being a late-round rookie who's a role player, and Isaiah Crowell, who has had success early in the season, but not so much since, what do you expect or potentially see with Elijah McGuire as we move forward? Well, first of all, this assumes he comes back this week, which I think is is the assumption. But... I I look at this and I think that McGuire 
is the best bet between he and Trenton Cannon to come in and fill that Bilal Powell role. I mean, you mentioned it, Cannon's a rookie. He doesn't have much experience. We saw McGuire last season get quite a quite a few touches. I don't remember off the top of my head. It was over 100, I know that. Quite a, quite a few touches. Um, Cannon did not look particularly, you know, great. He had that, he had a long catch in the game that Bilal Powell was hurt. But then last week against the Bears, it wasn't like he set the world on fire. I, I think that I look at this situation and if I was going to take bets on if it would be Cannon or McGuire to come out of here with this role, I'd bet on McGuire. That said, I mean, he still has to come back. He still has to prove that he's healthy. He still has to maybe be worked back into the system. So there are lots of things working against him, but there aren't really that many running backs out there on the wire this week. You're, you know, you're looking at, you know, Devontae Booker, yeah. who we'll talk about in a moment, and guys like that. <laughs> and so in that case, I'll take a shot on McGuire, who I know is a player that a lot of a lot of people like and who might be in a, a pretty good role if he can take that that Bilal Powell role over. I mean, Ray, we talked about Doug Martin last week. Yeah. You want to talk about Devontae Booker this week? Like, I do. Is is this just a podcast now where you hope to resurrect old players that you love from the dead? Well, I mean, I if that were the case, we would have talked about Booker last week. I refrained. And I would have talked about Dennis Johnson. That's <laughs> 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 yes. Uh and I but I refrained from that. And then look what he did. He had 101 total yards on 13 touches. I'll be it against the Chiefs, right? You have to throw that out there because the Chiefs have a a underrated pass defense with their run defense is straight garbage. And so it's not that surprising that the Broncos were able to do that. It was kind of surprising that that we still had a a committee backfield there, even with Royce Freeman on the sideline. And it's likely that that's going to continue moving forward. Now, they have tougher matchups over the next couple of weeks. They have the Texans this week. So that's really not something that you're going to get excited about. But it seems like Freeman's going to be out at least a couple of weeks. He has a high ankle sprain reportedly. And if that's the case, then you would expect Booker to, to come in and, and see quite a few touches. If you're in a deeper league, especially as the big bye weeks come in here, I think he's going to be valuable. I think he's going to be a guy that's ranked in the top 40 running backs over the next couple of weeks as long as Freeman's out. And that's, I mean, that's someone that needs to be rostered. Yeah, it's really interesting to look at the Broncos' backfield now compared to really what their plan was in April, right? Like in April, they drafted someone that they called a battering ram, that they just wanted like bulk to, just to like run into contact and create and and pick up as many yards as possible. Uh, and, and you can use this kind of results process for almost any team at any position, right? But for the Broncos, they kind of honestly lucked into a better runner that is one of the better rookie running backs out there and Philip Lindsay, who is like 50 pounds less than Royce Freeman, yet he is still succeeding. And to me, Ray, he should see even more of a workload than he has been, but it, it seems clear that they are a role-oriented team at the running back position, and that's why Devontae Booker is still going to have a role moving forward. Yeah, and I mean, it's not like Lindsey was hurting for touches. He had, what, 18 carries in that game? Right, so, but that was also a season high. That, yeah, sure, but I mean, 18 carries in today's NFL is a big workload for a running back. I just even mean besides this one week, that that's why Royce Freeman was out and he got that many. I even mean like when Royce comes back or when Royce was in the fold, Lindsey should have seen more. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think that it's become clear that Lindsey is – is their best running back. 
right. I, I think. And and I, I would be playing him more if I was running that team. But I think you're right. It doesn't seem like that's what they want to do. And yeah. so when Freeman does come back, I think it will still be a timeshare. And I think it'll be a timeshare now with Booker and Lindsey with Freeman out. Let's talk about Vivid Seats, Ray. It's my favorite time of the podcast. Your favorite time, time of the podcast. Do uh, yeah, in just a minute. But let me first tell the people, the beautiful people, to go to their app store or, or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app, V-I-V-I-D Seats. And because for first time new customers, you can enter promo code ROTO, R-O-T-O, to receive 10% off. Ray, let's get into it right now. I'm going to turn the tables on you, my friend. Oh, no. Because we oh, had someone no. say that I did the math incorrectly last week, and I swear I did not. I swear I, I did, did not. Either. I was on top of it. I don't believe you did either. Okay, Ray. Let's say the tickets are $64.50. Oh, come on now. And you get 10% off, Ray. And and I'm talking about tickets. I'll give you a second to think about this. I'm talking about tickets to any live event, sporting event, concerts, theater. You want to go see Hamilton? I'm sure that they have Hamilton on Vivid Seats, right? Go to Vivid Seats and download the app and use promo code ROTO to receive 10% off. So, Ray, if the tickets are $64.50, what is their price after that 10% off? Well, 10% off would be $6.45. Am I correct so far? Yes. At $64.50 minus $6.45 is $58.05. Sure. <laughs> I, I, I I lost my place. Sure. I can't believe you gave me a I can't believe you gave me a fifty cent. You never gave yourself a an added an nope. added decimal point in there. I, I keep it simple for myself and leave the hard work to everyone else, just like on Sundays for Rotor World Live. Again, that is Vivid Seats. Go and check them on the app store. We can also go to their website, Vivid Seats. Okay, Ray, let's keep it going. With Kiki Cutie. Uh, Kiki Cutie now is on a team that has lost Will Fuller. Um, but after having multiple games of a lot of volume and big plays, Kiki Cutie has not had that in recent weeks, correct? Yeah, I actually think I actually think it, it makes sense to talk about the next two receivers together. Okay. I think it makes sense to talk about Kiki Cutie and Devontae Parker Do it. at the same time, right? Because isn't that going to be the question on the wire? I mean, you look at the running backs. And there's really not any exciting running backs out there. So if you're looking at you're looking at the wire, you're thinking, all right, I'm going to take a shot on one of these top two receivers, or maybe DJ Mora. I, I think he's a little bit, little bit lower down that pecking order. And it's a really interesting conversation because on the one hand, you have Devontae Parker, who who looks like a fantasy wide receiver one, like should look. You know what I'm saying? He's big, he's fast ish. He can make plays down the field. He looks mm-hmm. like the kind of guy that you would that you would want, but He's in a offense that is worse than the Texans offense. His role, even after that breakout, remains undetermined. I mean, we'll have to see what happens with Kenny Stills, but there's at least a chance Kenny Stills returns this week. And I mean, Parker was was basically a healthy scratch before they were forced to use him in that game. And then, you know, Parker has his own history of of injuries, right? Are we looking at Parker and expecting him to be him to be healthy the rest of the way? But then you go to the other side and you say, well, Cutie has an injury already, a hamstring injury. We don't know if he's going to play this week. It seems likely he will. He added some limited practices before that Thursday night game. But we're not sure he's going to play this week. I mean, the Texans have been less less pass-heavy recently with their running game working. So you look at all of it, and I, I think that both of these guys 
might be overvalued on the wire, especially as we get into as we get into you know if you're in fab dollars. But I look at it and I think I want the guy with a more clearly defined role in a better passing game with a better quarterback, and that's Kiki Cutie. But I, I was interested in, in what you think between these two guys. Yeah, I mean, we have a larger sample size, which is funny to say, of Kiki Cutie this year than we do of Devontae Parker. I'm going to go with Cutie because even they can manufacture touches for him, and I think that they will do that. But, Ray, we also have like something that could change in the next 24 hours of the Texans possibly adding a receiver on the outside as well. I or mean, Parker being traded. I mean, Adam Gase said on Monday. What if he goes straight to the Texans? Yeah. Um, yeah. It would I, be I, crazy if that's what happened, by the way. That would be nuts. My, my, my question back to you now, Ray, is this. I know a lot of people dropped Larry Fitzgerald in, in recent weeks. Would he? Yeah. Where would he rank among these two as someone you would pick up? See, I hadn't really thought about that. Because um, Fitzgerald is still rostered in, I, I don't even know off the top of my head, but more than is eligible for the right. I, I I guess I'm just but, thinking about this yeah, in terms no. of leagues that I'm in that I've seen, you know, people drop him in. No, no, it's a very good question. I was just explaining why I hadn't really thought about it yet. I probably would have Fitzgerald ahead of both of them. Yeah, me too. Right? Me too. Because I mean, so we saw them. Well, he's good we at football. Saw, well, first of all, that's helpful, right? And then we saw this first game with the new offensive coordinator, him come in. He's on an upward trend already, but then he comes in and has the best game of the season, albeit in a good matchup. So yeah, I think that I probably would rather have Larry Fitzgerald, which three weeks ago, there's, I mean, there's the trajectory that Fitzgerald was on. There's no way I would have thought I'd be saying that. But yeah, I think yeah. I would. Ray, we also need to talk about our friends over at draft.com, which you can go use people like Larry Fitzgerald or anyone else that we've discussed in any week. Uh, draft.com is great during the summer with best ball leagues, but draft.com also is great during the season because it's different than any daily fantasy site that you use. Instead of salary cap leagues, you get to actually draft. And they have all different types of games. I mean, I'm on draft.com right now. No offense, Ray. But uh, they have like a four-down territory tournament, which is a six-person draft tournament with $25,000 in prizes guaranteed, a 250K WSOF qualifier, just $27,000 in prizes, I mean, another one that's a hype train that's $33,000 in prizes. The best way to go and check out Draft.com is to go to Draft.com slash RotoWorld or download the app on the App Store and enter promo code RotoWorld and you get a free $3 entry. You can use that entry in like a six-person draft or 10-person draft, whatever, three-person draft. Just try it out. Go check out our friends over at Draft.com. Uh, Ray, we should also talk about DJ Moore because if Torrey Smith misses another week, DJ Moore belongs in that same conversation of the Kiki Cuties, of the Larry Fitzgeralds, and of the Devontae Parkers, in my opinion. I It might not even be contingent on Torrey Smith. Okay. Because we look at DJ Moore and we, and we say, all right, he had his best game of the best game of his career. He did set a career high in snaps, a, a pretty significant career high in snaps. But if you actually go and look at his touches, I mean, he only had one more target against the Ravens than he did against the Eagles and against Washington, the two games before that. He was already starting to see more work. And now that he's broken out, now that the cat's out of the bag, can they really, even if Torrey Smith comes back, can they, can they really start go back and play DJ Moore behind him again? Like, is that, can they really go and do that after we've seen how good DJ Moore has been? Uh, first round pick, we we know what he can do in this offense. I, I don't think that's true. And yet, the, the only thing, yeah, the only thing here is it's Ron Rivera, 
Okay. Fair enough. And, and we have seen multiple instances this year and in the past of him uh, not playing younger players and sticking with veterans until the veteran goes down with an injury and then the younger, better player gets to play. I mean, Deidre Moore is an example. Taylor Moten at right tackle has been arguably their best offensive lineman this year, and he's another example. He didn't even get to start with Matt Khalil and Darrell Williams, obviously. So, yeah, who knows? I mean, did you get to watch that game with him on Sunday? Yeah. He's, Deidre Moore, I mean. Like, he's, he's, he's an exciting unbelievable. football player. Yeah, he and Curtis Samuel are unbelievable and those should be the people that you're trying to get the football to right. and not Tory Smith and Jarius Wright. <laughs> like it's not that hard, right? You you're saying that teams should prioritize players that are like running backs with the ball in their hands out in open space rather than Tory Smith and Jarius Wright? Yes. It's I, it's a wild well, notion. It's well, crazy, I know. Ray, since I need to ask you this every week, is there anyone that you would use the top waiver priority on this week? I mean, we don't have that many weeks left in the in the season. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess the only two options would be the two receivers that we talked about, Cutie and Parker. But I, I think there's enough questions about both of them that that probably not. And it's become tricky because we just we haven't had a running back injury, right? It's been crazy if you go back and think about it. We haven't really had that running back injury in which there's a plug and play feature back. Exactly. If Todd Gurley was injured, then Malcolm Brown would be worth the number one. Don't do it, Ray. Don't, don't I, put out that in the sorry. world. I, I do not want to put that on anybody, <laughs> even though Todd Gurley cost me a lot of money by not going to the end zone. I don't want to put that out on anybody. So I, I apologize for even saying it. But you know what I'm, you know what yeah, I'm getting at. And so that's going to come at some point, right? right. Like we're not going to go through an entire season where that doesn't happen. And so I, I think I'm going to hold it rather than spend it on those on either of those two wide receivers. Ray, let's close it out as we do each week with deep cuts. Well, I have two wide receivers actually to throw out there. I mean, we're so wide receiver deep now, but I have to, I guess we have to talk about David Moore again. Mm-hmm. I from mean, East central from East central. Every like a saved by the bell, uh, high school, <laughs> every town in America has an East central high school and he's omnipresent. So he went to every one of them apparently, <laughs> but I mean, it remains unlikely that Moore keeps doing this, right? He's the number three receiver on an offense, which has averaged 22.6 passing attempts per game in their last five games. That's not a small sample. Five games in the NFL, that's a long time. And they're averaging 22.6 passing attempts in those games. But he has four touchdowns in the last three games, and he absolutely dominated T's Tabor on Sunday. Just like it was, it was, it felt like it should have been a crime. So I, you at least have to pay attention to that. And I, I think that even in like shallower leagues, 14-team leagues, he's worth a stash. The other guy is Kendrick Bourne, which it might not come to anything if Pierre Garçon is not traded, but Bourne worked as the clear number two receiver with Garçon sidelined against the Cardinals. He played 82% of the snaps. He saw a team-leading 10 targets in that game. I think Marquise Goodwin remains the best fantasy bet by far, but Bourne is interesting, especially since you know they get the Raiders this week, and that's that's a good matchup for for everybody on offense, but especially receivers. And one of your deep cuts last week hit at, at a position that is difficult <laughs> to find hits, and that was Ed Dick. That's right. So congratulations. That's right. Ray. Two weeks ago, we did Chris Herndon, didn't we? we so did. we're keeping the we're keeping the tight end deep. I don't have any more. Yeah, I, we're sorry. out. It's, it's an empty. Chris Herndon. Now. Chris Herndon is still the deep cut. I, he's still not rostering them into leagues. Uh, go check out how these players are ranked. Even more names in Ray's waiver column up on Rotorworld right now and check him out on Thursday's episode of the podcast with Richard Rebar 
and Nicholas Menzio and me with Patrick Doherty and Evan Silva on Friday. And until next time, my lovely friends, we'll talk to you all soon. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.